and welcome back to another episode of Lost Down, the newest member of the Bruiser Nation Podcast Network, a division of Snapmare Productions. Make sure you check out some of our sister shows. If you're a wrestling fan, go to the To the Turnbuckle, Bruise Cruise, Bruise Cruise Macabro. If you're a NASCAR fan like me, you're used to seeing me in my purple Grimace shirt. It's playoff time. Denny Hamlin's in the next round. Go listen to the red flag. But we're back here. It is David and Wally only today. Steven's power is out in Columbus. Unfortunately, he will not be with us. But I honestly think that perhaps might be better today, David, because it is a little bit more of a somber show than we're used to. The whiskey's already up to David's mouth. I know it wasn't a great week from a sports angle, David, but I hope that you're doing well outside of that on your end. How are you, buddy? Buddy, outside of sports, great. Yeah. Like, living life. When we talk about sports, I'm tired. I'm sad. Do I like football anymore? Not sure. Uh, you know, I wish I was born a New England fan so I could see what constantly winning for two decades Can you imagine? Like. Uh, yeah, I just, I want to know what that's like. Just like your favorite team winning for like two consecutive decades, just nonstop. That's what I want to know what it's like. But, you know, how are you, Wally? Well, I'm doing pretty good. It's funny that you bring up New England because since we have these sister shows and a couple of them are wrestling shows, I've gone back. I used to be a WWE fan, like a hardo when I was a little kid. So every now and then you throw like an old pay-per-view on and have fun, a little nostalgia. And the one I just so happened to watch last week was in New England. And it happened, I think, in the year 2000. And the whole pitch of one of these heels on the show was, you guys don't know what winning's like in New England. And I'm like, oh my God, if I could just... The precipice. It was the precipice. I'm like, if I could just <laughs> switch spots with one of those people, they don't even know what they were on mm-hmm. the cusp of. And, oh. Like, imagine, they have, what, six Super Bowl titles with New England. Yeah. You have probably at least, I know you have the KG Boston Celtics uh, NBA you have title. One title there. The Bruins won another you, uh, one. I was going to say, the Bruins won they another They were one in and, two uh, others. Like The Red Sox uh, won three. Two? Three. Three? Yeah. So, I mean, that's. Must be fucking 11 nice. <laughs> championships. That's 11 parades. Like, that's not fair. That's wrong. You don't even, the parades are, are so, you're so accustomed to them that you're like, you go to work and you're like, ah, parades happening again today, man. Just stay away from Main Street, right? Like, I, I don't know. I'd be annoyed almost because it's like, oh my God, another parade? Like, oh, they're so big. They probably at the end, they didn't even have that many people turning up. You remember what it was like in Cleveland when the Cavs won? It's like, Dude, there were a million people yes. downtown. It was a nightmare. Well, I, re- like, I literally went. Even when the Penguins won their uh, cup in 2016, it was seven years between, and you would have thought Pittsburgh was starved. We had, like, I want to say four or 500,000 people show up for that one. New England, I bet there's just people like, dude, it's not even worth it. I'll just hit them in three months when the next team wins. Dude, I, speaking of the parade, though, I remember. So you have a million people show up downtown. No idea how they weren't prepared for that kind of out- turnout. But the parade started like three hours late because they were going to do this in like con- like nice convertibles. And then they realized that nobody was going to be able to see the players. And it was kind of like a liability to have them, you know, on ground level. And so they had to wait for like semis and big ass trucks to show up uh, to shower these people or to, uh, you know, chauffeur these people, these athletes. And... What a day that was. That was real starvation when people show up in those kind of droves. Well, and it's, I, at least correct me if I'm wrong, you're a native here, but from everything in my entire life when I've been in Northeast Ohio, this city loves the Cavs. 
but it is nothing. Third favorite it's team. It's nothing Third favorite compared team the to the Indians or Guardians in the Browns. Like if the Browns won the Super Bowl, I, like you might have people Whole swimming. Would burn. You'd have people Whole treading in, in Lake Erie trying to get close enough to the city. Mm-hmm. But let's get into some football. We'll start with the game that's easier to talk about, and then we'll just rip it off like a Band-Aid and get it over with. But the New Orleans Saints went to the Carolina Panthers, where Derek Carr and company went to 2-0. Problem is, there's two other 2-0 teams in the NFC South. It's a crazy world we live in, David. Did you have any takeaways watching this game? Uh, What, three-point win? Late little push from Bryce Young, but... A little boring, a little boring. So Derek Carr, my my NFC too early to call champion, uh, NFC South too early to call champion. I got to be honest with you, I didn't watch much of this game because the Browns were on, obviously. Yeah, I get that. Uh, so I'd have to heed my time to you on that one because I didn't have the dual screen going. I would just tell you that I genuinely pity Bryce Young. When I say that there is no weapons, the offensive line is bad, it's hard to watch. He had, I want to say, like 60 or 70 yards going into the final drive where he ended up leading a score, but that just goes to show how far away the offense is. And you can have the staff we've talked about all offseason. You can have the quarterback, but if you put nothing around him, we've seen it time and time again, you can break a quarterback. Mm -hmm. As for the Saints, they desperately need to get in sync offensively. You know how much I love Derek Carr, but... We're looking at a coaching staff on the flip here in New Orleans where they have Pete Carmichael, who has been target enemy number one in New Orleans for quite some time. And then defensively, they have Joe Woods. So it just feels like a coaching staff that is kind of filled with a bunch of like rejects from past jobs. And they're 2-0 and right now, but there's a lot of problems. It's just a lot easier to address the problems when you're 2-0. and well, I was looking at, um, and again, I didn't watch this game, but it feels like they're not using Jamal Williams at all. Uh, he got hurt in this game. Did he? I didn't even know that. Yes, so he actually got ruled out today. He has a, a hamstring issue. That'll be a running theme this show. A lot of hamstrings this year for whatever reason. But uh, you were going to actually not see... Not enough stretching in the preseason, Wally. Not enough stretching in the preseason. You and I are going to die on that hill about the preseason. <laughs> But we're going to actually watch TCU rookie third-round pick Kendra Miller this week get the start. It will be the last week before Alvin Kamara's back. So we will, I guess, eventually get to see this Saints offense at fully loaded. It just hasn't quite happened yet. But 2-0, again, it's a good time to deal with problems. But, David, I'm just going to rip this just off. Give me, Just give it to me. Yeah. Browns at yeah. fucking Pittsburgh. And, you know... It's, I think Steven has a note here that he needs a wellness check for me, but Pittsburgh wins 26 to 22. If you watch the game, you know, I'm angry and sad. I'm angry because one fuck Deshaun Watson, like what a horrific performance from a quarterback getting paid $40 million guaranteed every season for God knows how long we're paying them. You know, he has a, a horrible interception. He has horrible accuracy all night. He has a horrible fumble that gives the game away at the very end. You know, he, he the guy couldn't even stiff arm somebody in the backfield without getting a penalty. I am, like, that was one of the worst quarterback performances I've ever seen for a guy who should be better. And, you know, I watched Baker Mayfield. I watched 
Charlie Fry at one point play quarterback for the Browns. I watched Kelly Holcomb. I've watched bad quarterbacks. He had one of an like an all-time bad performance when you take into the fact that what he's being paid and how good he's been, right? So all-time bad. Two, fuck Minka, Pitch, Minka Fitzpatrick. I don't care what anyone says. I don't care about that hit on Chubb. I wouldn't have called it dirty if the three plays later he didn't go for Amari Cooper's head on a middle-of-the-field hit uh, and barely miss. It looked like Burfitt coming at Antonio Brown when Antonio Brown actually lost his mind with a concussion. It had the same kind of animation that, like, bodyless, like, flop almost, too. Yeah. Um, I, I Once I saw that, I was like, no, fuck that guy. And, you know, I'm not glad he's hurt, but I'm glad he couldn't finish the game because I didn't need another fucking player injured. And honestly, the last thing, fuck the NFL for that split-screen fucking viewing shit or ESPN, whoever the fuck was in charge of that shit. Because if I want to watch two games, I'll put my own second screen up. I don't want to see some random Bryce Young run while I'm simultaneously watching half my roster go out for the rest of the fucking season. Like, I just, I don't, I don't need that in my life, all right? I don't need to see Bryce Young suck while I'm watching Nick Chubb roll around and cry on the ground, all right? I just don't need it in my life. I I will just say, just from as an unbiased person, you guys can believe it at home or not, if you think I'm unbiased, but I love Nick Chubb. There's one of, he's one of those people, it doesn't matter who you root for. He just seems like a really good teammate and a really good person, and it just, Guts you not only to see it happen this way, but to know that it happened before at Georgia five years ago, uh, it scares you. And, and here's my hot take before we get into Mika Fitzpatrick in the actual game. But I was talking with my buddy I was watching a game with. And when you start thinking about it in our lifetime, talking about 30 to 35-year-olds out there, how many running backs would you truly put above him in our life? I would say you would have Adrian Peterson, LaDainian Tomlinson, and from a pure skill perspective, I would put Nick Chubb right there at three. I'd argue you could put Jamal Charles in that conversation. He's, he he's one of the ones there. Short. Yeah. 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 And and you're abs- if you're going based off just skill and talent, he's absolutely up there. It's just that part sucks because the last couple of years, it just feels like when you watch him, he had the one run last year. It had to have been week one or two, but it was like a 45-yard touchdown going left to right in Cleveland where it was the bottom of the screen, and he broke like six tackles before jumping into the end zone. You just watch it, and you're just like, we are watching a Hall of Famer. We are watching that kind of a talent, and it's just gut-wrenching to know that even if he does come back, we don't know if he will come back as Nick Chubb, and we just have to kind of cross our fingers and hope. Never forget that Dorsey had to trade Carlos Hyde so that Hugh Jackson would play a Hall of Famer. <laughs> yeah, we might have to go that route, too. We talked about that uh, last Monday with uh, Detroit with their running back situation. Need to get Jameer Gibbs involved. But let's get into the game a little bit uh, because it did still happen. The Steelers do win this game, but going into what you were saying with Deshaun Watson, the Steelers were down three going into the fourth quarter. And they got negative seven yards to show for it, but won the game because of that sack, because of the TJ Watt fumble return for a touchdown. Simply put, this team has no future if Deshaun Watson doesn't even at least get to average quarterback. Because you said it, David, he's not even average right now. 
Last note here, Steven has it. I think that it's worth mentioning too. It's TJ Watt. The guy is a freak. To realize that he is now leading the Pittsburgh Steelers in sacks when James Harrison, it felt like, played there for four and a half decades and he did it in six years, that was unreal. Listen to this. After his first seven seasons, the only people ahead of him is Reggie White, DeMarcus Ware, LT, AD, and then you have JT at 81 and a half right now. He is a whole nother beast. We know that he's one of the best pass rushers of all time, and we're watching it on full display right now. But last the last thing on this game, you mentioned Mika. I, I'm at the point where I do think it was a, a really unfortunate one on the Chubb hit, but I I would definitely argue that the anytime you go to the head, it's more dirty. So I had more of an issue with that hit later on than I did with the actual Chubb play because at the end of the day, we are talking about a Hall of Fame kind of talent at running back, and it sucks, but you have to go low sometimes, especially if you're a defensive back. Look, I'm not. If, if the Amari Cooper play never happened, I wouldn't have even fucking hinted at Mika Fitzpatrick playing dirty. But that the fact that that Amari Cooper play happened makes me think that he was just fucking headhunting the whole fucking game. And I don't. I, I just. I, you know, I, if you have to fucking address it after the game, you did something wrong. If you have to address your play for being dirty after the game, and you have to tell the media, "I'm not a dirty player," you're a fucking dirty player. I don't care what like what it's about. If it was one fucking play, it's different. If it's multiple, you're a dirty player. We know without a doubt, though, when this game comes to Cleveland, it will be vicious when it comes to Minka. Dude, it's going to be like fucking NFL street, and they're not going to score, though. It's going to be like 10-7 to because both quarterbacks are going to suck, but we're all going to play like we hate each other and want to take each other's heads off. And the Browns are more than good enough to still be relevant at that point. So if that is the case, you know that is going to be a hellscape to walk into if you're a Pittsburgh Steeler. But let's move on now to our week three picks and previews. Remember that we are going to only be betting five games. I'll read off some of Steven's notes and his picks today, but I'll give you a little bit of a preview of where we're at right now. Last week, I hate that I have to be the one to voice this because I got back into my bag of 2022 Wally and I went one in four and I lost three units, which puts me about two down on the year where Steven and David both went four and one, one and a half units up for David and about two and a half units up for Steven. They are hot to start the year. Eight and two for both of them. Over five units up for Steven and over four units up for David. I hope you guys can keep going. And I got to take, I got to be honest, I got to start taking your bag of tricks, David. Because I realize every time I start funneling this into the spreadsheet, I am way too aggressive on my picks and taking spreads where you are smart. And it, it might not feel good, to do a minus 200 money line bet, but it adds yeah, up. You only get five. If we're going all throughout the week, I mean, you know, or all throughout the uh, the schedule like we did last year, it'd be different. But, like, you only get five. Like, I'm not betting on San Francisco spread, but I, the money line, that's a free win. I, it's free. Even if it's .1 unit, it's free. Well, and that's a perfect way to kick us off, David. Tonight, by the time you've heard this, the game's already over. We're going to time travel, and we're going to tell you how the game is going to actually go. Is it safe to say the 49ers 
especially when you look at the injuries on the New York Giants offensive side of the ball, this isn't going to be a very fun game tonight. It's funny. (laughs) No Saquon means no threat offensively. (laughs) And And their whole left side of the line is gone too. Oh, yeah, I forgot. Andrew Thomas, another hamstring. And then the left guard. Whatever his face is never came back from the concussion. That's, oh, God. What a slaughter. Yeah. You almost want to take the spread here, but I still wouldn't do it because 10 and a half, no matter what teams are playing, is still too big for my my bridges uh, for taking it for if you only get five, right? But, uh, dude, I'm, I didn't even think about the left side of the line, too. This could be a bloodbath. This could be an absolute bloodbath. It bath. took 31 second Isn't half points. I, Brandon Ayuk is out, though, right? Yes, that came out just about an hour ago. Uh, he was a game time decision. I guess that didn't matter now. But it, the thing is, if you're the 49ers, CMC looks like prime CMC right now. As if there was ever not a prime CMC. It's just about injuries with him. But I have a couple fun little stats I wanted to rattle off for you about him because he is on the verge of history tonight. If he rushes for 115 yards and a touchdown, he will join Jim Brown and OJ Simpson. Not great people, but great running backs as the third player to ever do that. In the first three games to start a season, which means if he does hit that touchdown, he'd be the fifth player since 1990 to score a touchdown in 12 straight games. Also, would tie Jerry Rice in the 49ers record already. He's tying the 49ers touchdown consecutive games already if he gets one tonight. It's just he's a, a talk about another Hall of Fame talent we're watching right before our eyes. We we need to talk about LT though only being fourth on that list. Damian Tomlinson, the guy who set the the rush the rushing touchdown record before uh, Sean Alexander broke it, or was it after? I think it was before because Alexander didn't was Alexander going hot in 05, 06. Yeah, didn't I Alexander think. got twenty nine? Lt got twenty eight, thirty two total or something. So if he only scored in twelve straight the year he got twenty eight, that means he literally did two to three rushing touchdowns a game for twelve straight games, and that was it. The wildest part to me, you mentioned Lt Emmett Smith. For the people at home, he had 13 straight in 1995. Well, here's the crazy thing, David. He had 13 in 1995, had it broken one week, and then started a 14-game touchdown streak immediately after. So 27 games out of 28, he had a touchdown in. It's easy to forget because I think people our age remember Arizona Emmett Smith and late career Dallas Emmett Smith. When he was young, there's a reason people talk about him as a top five, top ten running back of all time. It's kind of crazy to see Arian Foster on the list, too, because, I, you know, he was the one who was always injured. I, I kind of feel bad for him career-wise, but it's crazy to not see a guy like Adrian Peterson, who was the entire offense in Minnesota for, you know, five straight years, and, you know, it's crazy not to see guys like Jim Brown, who were electrifying in the 60s and I don't know it, it's it's surprise although it's just surprising to me because I would have never if you gave me this list blind I think I would have gotten LT I think I would have gotten Emmett Smith I think I would have blindly guessed Sean Alexander because of the record and missed but I would have never in a million years guessed CMC or Arian Foster if any other names I would have thought about was either Larry Johnson or Priest Holmes there was a stretch where it felt like the Chiefs 
just kind of like the Packers with quarterbacks, just went from a Hall of Fame kind of running back talent to another one. So that would have been, but yeah, that's a crazy, crazy stat. But moral of the story is, we're I think we're all on San Francisco. Three and zero start is incoming. David, do you have a bet on this game, or do yes. you not? San you Francisco do. money line. You take the free money. There is no unless five people from San Francisco go out for the season. There is no way the Giants are winning this game, and I would argue there's no way they're covering the spread. But knowing my luck, it would be ten point <laughs> loss instead of an eleven point loss. And uh, I'm just going to take San Francisco money line, free money. That's my bet. I need to be smarter, but I got a, a little bit of a hole. So this is where I talk out of both sides of my mouth where I need to be smarter, but I also feel like I need to be aggressive. <laughs> well, you need to be aggressive to catch up now. I know. I, it's just what I do every – oh, well, you're about to hear an aggression, but you might actually, knowing you're a little down in life right now, you might be on my side. I don't know. But Tennessee goes to Cleveland – where the Browns are still three and a half point favorites. Total is 39 and a half. David, obviously this is your game. I'm going to let you kind of set us up for it. Look, the Browns just signed Kareem Hunt. I called that the minute Chubb was carted off. You did. I fucking called that. I was like, I I don't even know. Everyone's like, trade for Jonathan Taylor. I'm like, nope, they're going to sign Kareem Hunt. I was one of those losers. But here's the thing. It wouldn't be a terrible trade unless you have to extend him for the contract he wants. But Neither here nor there. They signed Kareem Hunt. Uh, you know the Titans. They're a rush. They're a rush defense. They're a strong rush defense. Over the last seventeen games, they've allowed the fewest rush yards over a seventeen game span than any team since two thousand seven. That that's is, absurd. That's a literally. It's absurd, but it's literally the perfect counter to this Browns team, especially yep. with Nick Chubb out. Um, I mean, our our whole offense is designed around you know, starting a run game and then expanding the playbook based off the threat of run. Um, so I, I don't know. I'm I'm so depressed about the the Cleveland Browns that I can't I just can't get excited for this one. I'm I'm tempted to not even watch this one to be honest. Like it's it's to that point where I'm like until I get real news on what happened to Chubb, like real concrete, here are the ligaments he tore, I'm I just like I can't I can't move on with the Browns, but Wally, what are we thinking here? What what? Tell me what your thoughts are. You you kind of hinted at it because of how strong that Tennessee rush defense is. I mean, under three yards per carry over a 17, 17 game period is it's ludicrous, even in today's NFL. But I'm going with the Tennessee money line. It just there just feels like there's just some serious bad mojo right now with Cleveland between Nick Chubb, between Deshaun Watson's play. Uh, much like last week where Tennessee hosted the Chargers, I liked Vrabel in that head coaching matchup. I, I liked them the same way this week. It, it just seems like where things go wrong, or if things can go wrong in Cleveland right now, they will. And this feels just like a, a matchup that we're going to look back on, and it's a 20-17 to 17 ugly game that the Texans like kind of just work it out win long like a long boring game and then we're talking about when do we have to be on DTR watch and that just feels like it's inevitable the way Cleveland media is <laughs> I Stephen has a note here the, the last thing I'll say is uh, Stephen has a note here that this is a must uh, for Deshaun Watson to get the passing game going 
I'd argue that if Deshaun Watson doesn't look phenomenal in this game, you're going to have, you know, six weeks ago in the offseason, you probably had local Cleveland media asking if Deshaun Watson was the guy. If he plays anything less than elite in this game, you're going to have national media literally focusing in on him for the rest of the season of, is he good or did the Cleveland Browns turn into the Cleveland Clowns again and and pay somebody they shouldn't have? I do have one stat that I thought was good news. I, I figured you'd love to hear it given what it looked like last year, and that's Sam Monson of PFF found this incredible stat that the Browns linebackers, their average depth of tackles this year in the run game is at the line of scrimmage, which is the best in the NFL. And it, you remember what that was last year. It you and I could run through the holes. Facts. And Jim Schwartz is my fucking hero. I That man is is kind of like Callahan, probably very underrated as who he is and what he does. He's unbelievable. I, I, it's one of those guys that I think a lot of people, myself included, sometimes don't think he's highly of Nick Schwartz because of the head coaching job he did in Detroit when... As a coordinator, we talk about it all the time. You as can a coordinator, be, he's like a Hall of Famer. You can a, be an exceptional right. hall, like coordinator and just not be a head coach. Like Nathaniel Hackett in Green Bay was a good coordinator. And this year, we're not going to get a fair test of him in New York, it looks like. Godspeed. Yeah. Godspeed <laughs> is right. He he might not get a second year there, but I don't know. I, I am really excited about the Browns' defense and the future of that. Even if the, the year doesn't go great, it feels like you got something really, really special right now on the defense. The Chargers go to Minnesota. The Vikings are one and a half point favorites. Total is 53 and a half. I'll set the stage for us here. The Chargers have given up 63 points through two weeks. Justin Herbert's looked good, but he's had a chance to win with a final drive in both of those games and hasn't been able to do it. It just feels like everything about the Chargers right now is just falling a little bit short. And here's where it's dangerous. I know Monday we asked a question, which of the two teams between the Bengals and the Chargers has a better chance to make the playoffs after starting 0-2? Well, here's a brutal statistic for you for the four Charger fans in the world. There are 18 or only 18 teams of the last 187 since 2000 who started 0-2 have made the postseason. And it gets even worse since 2020 when they expanded the playoffs. You would think it would go the other way. More teams get in. But it's actually gone the other. Only last year's Cincinnati Bengals team has made the playoffs out of the last 23 teams that started 0-2. Austin Eckler missed another practice today. The Vikings also 0-2. And ironically, 0-2 in one possession games. It just feels like a very weird matchup and kind of must-watch. Steven has that here. It's as excited as I've been for an 0-2 game in a little while. I think... You're going to see the Chargers win, but who could, who freaking knows, David, with these two teams? I think the Chargers win because they have a defense that maybe forces one punt out of Minnesota. I like Both these offenses have been playing spectacularly for the first two weeks. It's just a question of coaching, and it's a question of defense. And I can tell you right now, Minnesota's defense is a revolving door. Uh the Chargers have been playing like their defense is a revolving door, but it really shouldn't be. That's the scary part, is that defense should not be allowing 30 points a game or whatever it is that they're allowing uh, at this point in the season. And it just 
you can't even blame the quarterbacks. You can blame Kirk Cousins' uh, losses on the turnovers, but you can't really blame the quarterbacks overall because both of them have been playing just outstanding football. So I I think it is, you know, Stephen, Stephen puts notes here. He said it. It's a, it's a great matchup. It's a fun game. It's probably going to be the game of the week for all the wrong reasons. Uh, but it's it'll be a fun one. I if I was betting, I'd bet Chargers. I'm not betting this one because either of these teams could win based on how they've played the first two weeks of the season. It's crazy to think that this Vikings team has 69 rushing yards through two weeks of the year. That whoever, and they brought in drafted Akers. Madison in the first round is feeling real bad about themselves right now. <laughs> yeah, especially since they thought it was a good idea to draft Cam Akers, who you and I might be the lowest people in the world on him. I am so I don't, tired. I don't of understand just, how anyone we saw why his are we rookie still doing season. This? Right, his rookie season, he was like the lead back. He was supposed to be the guy. Just shit the bed, and then every season since we've been like, oh, he's good now, and it's like, what? Since when? I mean, this year, that opening game, 22 carries, 29 yards, and then got health-bombed last week. I you am, get healthy scratches here, as a running back confident. in 2023, yikes. I am confident that an average Joe could do 22 carries for 29 yards. Like, I, I, I really am. I, I really am confident that, like, the worst thing that could happen with an average Joe is 22 carries for 20 yards. Like, I, I, you just make it to the line of scrimmage. That's it. That's it. That's the equivalent. It pretty much is. And it doesn't look like it's going to get much better. You bring in Cam Akers to, to do some dust up. Maybe we, we might be looking at a worse Vikings team than we thought. The Patriots and Billy Goat. Bill Belichick, two and a half point favorites at MetLife or JetLife Stadium, as Aaron Rodgers liked to say, uh, unfortunately. Total is 37. Here's some crazy facts for you. The Patriots and Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick is 38-12 and 12 against the Jets in his career. That's over 75% winning percentage. Mac Jones at the same time against the, the Jets. He's north of 72% completion percentage. Where Zach Wilson is 0-4 against the Patriots. Completing only about 51% of his passes. This is, it feels like a nightmare. Considering the fact how good the Patriots defense is. I'm taking New England's money line. This is where I'm being smart like you, David. I'm not going to be a rat and take the two and a half. If they win by one or two, I'm going to make sure I cover my bases. I'm taking New England money line. But Steven adds this little note, and I kind of hate it. Since 2005, teams that are 0-2 have gone 83-66. and That's a 56% win percentage. Kind of sets up for, for a little uh, Zach Wilson party. I don't believe it, though. What do you think? So I'm sitting here trying to look up statistics, right? When did Tom Brady leave the Patriots? 2020. That 19 was his last season, right? Yeah, yeah. As in like 20 was his debut with the Bucs. Okay, so the Jets have not won a single game against the Patriots since Tom Brady left. So... New England money line is not a bad bet here. However, I don't play those games because eventually, if I bet on it, the Jets win. Like, if I bet New England money line, the Jets win. So, like, I can't bet on this game, but I encourage it because it is kind of shy. Like, if you told me they were 50, like, I looked it up because 
you know, 38 and 12 against the Jets in his career, right? You know, probably three of those, three or four of those losses came with the Mark Sanchez, Rex Ryan Jets that were actually a pretty good team. And, Can't wait, Bart Scott. <laughs> right, but you know, the rest of it is is lucky wins over the careers. So I was sitting there, I was like, ah, like 38 and 12. Let's look at post Tom Brady era, right? Undefeated post Tom Brady era, which is even more shocking. But I, you know, if I bet on it, New England loses. But if anyone else bets on it, I highly encourage taking a New England money line here. Adele's "Hello" was the number one Billboard song in America the last time the Jets beat the Patriots. That's a scary thought. It's been a while. It has been a while. C.J. Stroud and the Texans are going to face Trevor Lawrence and the Jaguars, who are eight and a half point favorites. Totals forty four and a half. I have to start with Stevens' fun fact. It is your favorite division in the world, David, as we all know. Houston hasn't lost in Jacksonville. Hasn't lost on the road. Let me say that again. Since 2017, Jacksonville also has only won once against Houston since beating them at home in that 2017 game. This division is a gong show. Do you feel confident enough to put a bet on this game? Or are you steering clear? Houston hasn't lost in Jacksonville since 2017 is an alarming statement. It is your division, David. It is an alarming... I hate this division for this reason. That makes zero sense. That's almost like collusion, right? Like, I I don't... Both these teams have been atrocious in certain years since then. I, I mean... I, Jacksonville's been... Almost went to the Super Bowl one year since then. I... Like, what? I... Oh, I can't handle it. I don't I don't want to touch this game. I'm staying so far away from this game. If I had to bet it, I'd bet Jacksonville money line. But that's only because I think Jacksonville has turned a corner as a franchise and not because I uh, I like eventually that that curse or whatever the hell's on Jacksonville and Houston has to end, right? Like eventually that's got to go. Kind of like New England and Jets. But at, at least with this game, I can tell you Jacksonville as a franchise has turned a corner. Like, maybe it'll happen this year. If it doesn't, I'm going to throw up because that is such an alarming... Like, that is just such an alarming statistic. I'm going to make it even worse for you because the Jaguars this year, they've converted a league low, tied with the Jets. The Jets with Zach Wilson. With six third down conversions on 24 attempts, they're also one for five on fourth down. The offense looks bad. That's play calling. That's play calling. You're right, but like they, they struggled against the Chiefs defense. They really struggled with Indianapolis for a large part of week one. I feel like they kind of ran away with it late in that game, and people forgot. They didn't look great. And your boy, I need to ask you, just because I don't know where to think about it, we've seen two different Calvin Ridley so far. Should we expect week one Calvin Ridley, week two Calvin Ridley with only two catches for like, I think, 25 yards? Or do we get something in the middle? Probably something in the middle. But week one Calvin is the Calvin I'm holding on to because that I literally drafted that man in the third round of both my fantasy drafts under the assumption he would be unbelievable this season. That a boy. <laughs> Our next game is a big litmus test for the Washington Commanders. The Bills are six and a half point favorites on the road in DC. This feels like a fun kind of test for the Commanders, just because like it, if they want to make morons like me shut up about doubting them and Sam Howell and whether or not Chase Young is going to be healthy, 
then go out and do it this week. The Bills, yeah, they beat up on a shitty Raiders team last week, but I really need to see if they're ready or if they're back to form. And this is a great game for both of them. Bills really can't afford to fall too far behind Miami. And Washington, I mean, ride this wave, man. If you want to make the NFC, where it all of a sudden looks a lot more competitive than I think we expected, go win a game or at least compete in this game and maybe we can uh, start changing our perception around this team. I'm with you. Um, I don't know. I, this is going to be one of the one. Of, it's really a game I don't. I don't care about. I have no intention of of watching anything but highlights. With not you know, hand up. My bad. But uh, I I just with this game and I know we don't really care for PFF for mo- certain positions, but like. Josh Allen played so miserably in week one that Sam Howell has a better PFF grade as a quarterback than him through two weeks. So like, am I, am I getting elite Josh Allen back or are, can we not be elite without Brian Dable and, and we're, we're running into some real conversations about who the Buffalo bills are going forward. Uh, but I, I, if I was betting on this, I'd probably still take spread and money line. I'm not a Washington believer. I, I think this Buffalo defense could make Sam Howell's life hell. So, But that's not an official bet for you, or it is? No, it's not. Okay. That's all right. This next game, I know we have at least one, and I uh, think no, no. it's from you. Look oh, here, you throw buddy. us? Feel Look free. here, buddy. Throw me into Indianapolis at Baltimore. I think the spread changed from 7.5 to 8.5 since we did this. Uh, or since we did our notes and opened this at the beginning of the week, um, over under or total points set at forty five and a half. Uh, Anthony Richardson still in concussion protocol. That kind of changes my bet. If he's out for this game, I I my bet is is a wash. I don't want to touch it. Uh, I'll still own it and take the L. How but- about you give us a backup bet in case we hear? Let's just say, like, by a decent time on Sunday. You know what I mean? Uh, I'll tell you what the backup bet is right now. And the backup bet is... Hold on. I gotta look. I gotta look at my bet. The backup bet is... Detroit, add the spread to the money line. And we'll get there eventually. sure. Yeah. We'll get there eventually. But if Anthony Richardson plays, I'm taking Indiana plus eight and a half because I think they're good enough to keep it close. This is basically the same team, just in different eras of their quarterback. And <laughs> I, the Ravens haven't started 3-0 since 2016. I don't count on it. I don't believe they're that strong of a team right now. And so even if they start 3-0, I don't think they win by 9-plus points. I think the Colts keep it close-ish. I think the Colts keep it within seven. So plus eight and a half seems like a really uh, easy win here. What do you got, Wally? I don't even think it matters if it's Anthony Richardson or Gardner Minshew. I think Gardner Minshew is about his... Gardner. Yeah, it's like as good of a a backup as I think you could really ask for in the league. And just given the fact, the way they have started, this will be tighter than most expect, and the Ravens' offense is flashed. But you can tell it's going to take a little bit of time for Todd Munkin's Offense to really gel and kind of everybody to get the grasp of it. I think it would be massive to start 3-0, even with the growing pains. It, amazingly, the Ravens haven't started 3-0 since 2016. It feels like they're a team 
that does it every other year, so that surprised me. But I do think it'll happen, but like you, I think it's going to be a tight game. I think it'll actually be a last possession game. Whoever has the ball last will have either a chance to win or put the game away. And I think it'll be Baltimore, but who knows? If you get Anthony Richardson out there, maybe they sneak a win against Baltimore, and all of a sudden you got to start taking the Colts team a little bit seriously. Dude, take us after that. So, so and, and deep down, we all hate the Ravens. So I'm going to move on so we don't have to stick on with them. Uh, Atlanta at Detroit, which is my kind of secret game of the week. Detroit, three and a half point favorites. Totals 46 and a half. Falcons have allowed, only allowed 505 total yards. This total yards so far this year. To be honest, that's because they run the football a lot and yep, they use a lot of the game. consumption. It's not because their defense is that good, although I do think their defense is solid. Uh, Lions hit Geo Smith one time last week. And it should have been to end the game, but it wasn't. Uh, pass rush needs to be a whole lot better. Uh, needs to be as good as they hyped it up to be before the season. Um, I... I have the bet as Detroit money line. Again, the backup bet is the spread. I think this could be a fun one, and I say that because I think if the Lions play this right, I don't think Atlanta gets to run the clock out like they have the first two weeks. You're probably right, but I'm actually betting on the Falcons to start fast and be able to dictate the pace of game here. Steven, ironically, is trying to thread the needle this week. He picked Atlanta plus three and a half, but he thinks that the Lions are going to win by two or three points. I'm just full on on dirty bird juice this year. I don't know what's gotten into me, but I just love this rush attack. It's, to me, as exciting as we've seen in the league in a long time. We brought up LaDainian Tomlinson. It reminds me, not of that team, but it's that kind of, Star power, it's going to be that kind of an attack with this. I'm really, really excited to see this is going to be a test for both of these teams. And not to panic anybody, but if the Lions find a way to lose this game and start 1-2, and two, you start getting nervous the way our fan bases do because it's like, oh my God, are they really going to... This year, everybody... It feels as wide open as ever before. You're not going to not win this year, are you? And I don't want that to happen. In a per- you want a perfect world. I'd love a tie here. But let, let's get a little juice for both of them. But it ain't, it ain't going to happen. You're, I'm, I'm calling upset. In fact, David. Look here. This is interesting. All three of us have different bets. I'm taking Atlanta plus three and a half. But I'm, t- I'm telling you, they're going to win this game. Well, is Steven actually taking the real bet on this? He has. Give me Atlanta plus three and a half. But he has Detroit by two or three. Weird, weird justification. But he did it. All right, well, to shock the rest of the world, for the first time ever, they've allowed me to actually introduce our sponsor to this podcast. Uh, you know, we want to remind you that that this week's week three preview and picks are brought to you by Abby Turner Creative, your one-stop shop marketing agency specializing in branding, high-end photography, fashion, photography, fashion, and more. Uh, especially if you are around our age where college graduations, engagements are we really in the college graduation hey i mean you know it's one of those they do college graduations and we have you know know siblings i'm sorry i'm sorry abby i i apologize for interrupting that college graduations engagements weddings baby pictures literally everything give her a call 
Feels like they happen every weekend. Abby Turner Creative is the only way to go. Check her out for yourself on abbyturnerphoto.com. That's Abby, A-B-B-E-Y. Or on her Instagram, Sawdad and Sapphire. Again, abbyturnerphoto.com. Wally, edit that shit out and do it yourself if you want. No, I'm doing I'm doing uh, little uh, snaps for you. Snap it up. Live reads, I tell you what, it's one of those things they look so easy. You got to see it there. They're They're like just... You're in your own head when you're doing it. Mm-hmm. 100%. The whole time, you're like, oh, my God, it's just me out here. You're mm-hmm. like, I'm on an island. But, yeah, no, Abby Turner's the best. And David got to finally do it because Dewan Jones got into the game, and now he's the starting right tackle. So it's a full circle full moment. Connection. So now we're allowing you. Full connection. Didn't know her before I got on the pod. Feels like she's my best friend now. Exactly. She. What I was going to say, she started pumping Dewan Jones' tires before anyone did. But... We go to Stevens, Green Bay Packers, where finally the Packers go home. They're at Lambeau. They host Derek Carr and the Saints as a two-point favorite. And I tell you what, I'm taking Packers' money line. Steven, I'll read his notes since this is his team. He was very surprised to see Green Bay even favored in this game. He said to keep an eye out for the injury report. There's quite a few Packers going to be on there. David Bakhtiari, Aaron Jones, Christian Watson, Elkton Jenkins. But New England, but but New England, but New Orleans front seven could cause some problems for Green Bay's offense, especially if they struggle to run the ball like they did this past week. Right now, I am not high on those players above playing. He's wrong. The Packers are gonna win. He's gonna be here on Monday. He's gonna be celebrating. Jordan Love has six touchdowns to zero turnovers this year so far. It's the reason this Packers offense has looked as good. Yeah, he doesn't look elite right now. But there's a lot of flashes, and there's a lot to be excited about if you're a Packers fan. And given we just talked about the Lions, it feels right just because this is one of those teams that David and I almost loathe because we're so used to being the Lions in our divisions. We're tired of seeing these teams always get it right, always do the right thing, and it seems like the Packers are one of them. Do you agree with me? Or are you with Steven? Which way are you going? You going Derek Carr or are you going with the cheese heads? I don't I'm not betting either way. If I had to, I think I'd take Green Bay because it's at home. Uh it sways me a little bit because Jordan Love hasn't had a turnover. Um I I think these teams are actually pretty equal. Um I just I'm not willing to bet on it because I again if I do it, it's gonna go the, it's one of those games where if I do it. It's going to go the opposite way. And I know it ahead of time, right? But I, you know, I'd be pretty confident if I was Green Bay going into this. You're at home. Um, you know, you're not in the dome. Uh, and so Derek Carr probably plays a little worse, but not much. But it's so funny you say that, David. I have to cut you off because all I did when I look at this was like, Derek Carr's going to struggle there. He always struggles there. And then I looked it up. He's only 0-2 against the Packers, but for some reason, my head's like, he's like 0-19 against the Packers Green Bay, You think about Green Bay, and you think it's always fucking cold there, and we all know Derek Carr does yeah. not do well in the cold. So little just... tiny hands, Derek Carr. <laughs> oh. Kenny Pickett hands. But, good luck, Steven. We hope that we're right for you so you can come here and someone can be happy on one of these shows because it certainly won't be David and I unless right here. This is this is how you know we're pathetic because I'm as eager to watch teams like the Broncos lose 
as I am to watch my team play because we all know that that's all we have to look forward to. Dude, the Steelers, if they lose by 40, it's my Super Bowl. So I, yes. I get it. Yeah. Yeah, I want to see people miserable. And I think we're going to this week because Miami is six and a half point favorites at home are going to host the Broncos who just had two devastating home losses by a collection of three total points. A real shame. One we all feel bad about. Mike McDaniel and Tua, I think, are going to get this done. Steven agrees. He actually is taking the bet here of Miami 6.5. I'm just kicking my feet back and watching this, David. Broncos are going to go 0-3, and we may be on Stidham watch. Why why aren't you taking the bet? This is I don't even know why six and a half is a line. It should be four it should be fifteen and a half. It felt like a rat the line Broncos, to me. I don't know why. And including me, who overrated their defense going into the year, they have like the twenty-eighth ranked defense in the NFL this year. And Miami is probably the most prolific offense in the NFL. So sure, let's say Pat Sertain uh Sertan Saddle uh shut shuts down one of the two prolific receivers, the other one's going for 200 yards. I don't like I, I don't even I don't even have a shadow of a doubt. I am taking this official bet, Miami, six and a half points. I I don't think it's gonna be close. I think you're gonna literally watch a slaughter and I agree with you, Wally, you're probably on Stidham watch. See, you're you'll probably tell if you people want to look back at the bets I make this week, there's a clear theme. And that is basically, I'm. Ha- it's a happiness hedge is what my dad likes to call it. <laughs> you bet against the teams you're almost rooting for because then it's either, yay, I won my bets or, well, at least I got paid. Or, or what, at least I was right. It's one or the other. So happiness hedge is all the way around. Carolina and Bryce Young going to Seattle to face Geno Smith, who is a six-point favorite with his Seahawks. I'm not going to be melodramatic here. But the Seahawks really might have saved their season last week, David. If they had started 0-2, this isn't like the Chargers. This isn't like the Bengals. We might like the Seahawks, but they're not on that kind of talent field. You can get a you can't get a, a W that important and then go home and arguably lay an egg against the second worst team in the entire NFL. And I'm not believing they will. I do think they're going to win, but I don't want to again be over the top, but it doesn't matter how ugly this is. You cannot lose this game if you're Seattle. I agree. Um, I don't have much on this game. I think it's going to be a lot uglier than most people think. I think it's going to be a close one. I still think Seattle wins, but I. it is definitely... There's problems in Seattle's, right? Yeah, there's it feels definitely like it. problems in Seattle. But you know what? They kind of had problems in the beginning of last season that they kind of turned around. I think they finished like, what, 9-8 and eight or something. Uh, yep. But that could look similarly this season. Um, but it, they did take a big step forward last week, uh, especially Gino who played terrible week one, but actually played like the Gino we saw last year, week two, uh, for the most part. But I, I don't know. This will be an interesting one. That's all I got. I'm not betting on this. I'm staying far away from this. I think this will be an ugly close game. And I think Seattle just pulls it out at the end because they're at home. The big key to, to keep an eye on, of course, is that you are looking at a Seahawks team who's going to have these tackle problems all year. Charles Cross is still banged up. I'm pretty sure they put Abraham Lucas on IR. So he's gone for at least four weeks. It's why the line's low, but we've seen nothing from Bryce Young in Carolina yet to make it feel like they can get it done. Until they do, it's going to be really hard to justify betting on them. 
Now, this one's this one hurts a little for me. I'm not gonna lie. Oh, I think... come on! It hurts for you. Get out of here, man. It is the Chiefs against the most broken quarterback in the NFL currently. Chiefs. It is Chicago at Kansas City. <sighs> Kansas City's a twelve and a half point favorite. Shocked it's not more. Their totals forty eight and a half. You know. Kansas City will score 48 of those 48 and a half points. I, I just like, man, this is just another game where a great team goes up against a bad, struggling team, and you just you ignore it and you move on, even if you hate the team. Steven literally put LOL, good luck, and that makes me even feel worse because I, I'm telling you, I, I had a little bit of a thing for this Bears team. I think everybody could tell. I was excited to watch them. Going into this year, and I kind of was ship... too. And you know how I've been on Justin Fields. Yeah, well, it, it's just like the ship isn't even visible from the surface anymore. It's so far sunk. This is a floundering operation, and I mean, talk about a week from hell. FBI raiding the defensive coordinator. You have the what? Uh, the debacle with Justin Fields getting asked why he's playing the way he is, where he responds coaching. Oh my God. He, he, and I feel bad for him, but man, he gave the media and the locker room so much room to eat him alive that he ended up having to walk it back. He did have to walk it back. It just, (laughs) I mean, it, it's been a week from hell. The dude, the guy literally went to the media and said to everyone and nobody, this is like, if somebody was, you know, if if somebody was at a gas station and it looked suspicious, you'd probably report it. You know, the guy literally shouted to the world, these coaches are overwhelming me. I don't really know what I'm supposed to do. And everyone just like, shut the fuck up and play football. <laughs> I, I like feel bad for him. It was, it, it, there's like, from a play perspective, it's been a doomsday scenario that you watch these last week. Like I mentioned, the screen pass, he got picked off. It was a third straight time they called the exact same play. The def- defense was talking in the post game, basically saying they were stunned at the audacity and almost thought it was a, a ploy, like a fake, because they couldn't believe that they would just line up and Dude, run it three all, straight times. We've all played Chicago and Madden. It's the player that yes. thinks he can do something. And continues to play the same play over and over, but you're smart enough to know the counter and you win. It's like the that's... guy that lines up in five wide and calls verticals and runs with his fast quarterback. Yes. yes. But 100%. I should clarify, by the way, I mentioned the FBI raid in Chicago. The Bears have been denying that all day. So at this point, it sounds like a fake story. Bullshit. That's a fake story. Too many people I trust have confirmed that. And I think they're trying to cover their ass for something. It feels weird. Like the only way I can put it, there's something off. But yeah, they're still denying it. So it's kind of one of those stories. Wait until the whole story's out. But we just have to tell you both sides. Bears are denying it. There were reports that the FBI raided their defensive coordinator, Alan Williams. We'll see. That's not something that's just going to go away if it's true. Good luck. Like he said. Anyways, speaking of good luck, <laughs> speaking of good luck, good luck to Arizona as Dallas is going to come in as 12 and a half point favorites, probably slaughter them more than that. Uh, total set at 43, odd total for me. Uh, Trayvon Diggs, I, Steven texted us like, I don't know, two hours ago and said Diggs tore his ACL in practice. That's shocking that's a big loss to the defense I don't like Trayvon Diggs but even I know that it's a big loss to the defense had 11 interceptions last year 
uh, or in 2021, two in 2022. Um, I, I just, he signed a five-year, $97 million deal. Thank God he signed that before he tore his ACL because Dallas would probably screw him on that one. But uh, Cardinals are just bad. Brutal. Uh, Truly I brutal. Mean, we, I, we, they played what I thought was the worst team in the NFL last week, had a 20-point lead at half, and still lost. So I, they're just brutal. Dallas, their defense has been just slaughtering people, and I don't think this is going to be close. If it, if I had to bet, I would probably avoid the spread because I don't, I don't like anything over 10. Uh, but I think you'd be safe to call this with spread and money line for Dallas, uh, for those of you sitting at home. Um, but I, I didn't bet on this game, but if I had to, or if I got the same betting rights I did last year, Wally and his time, or lack thereof, but if I got the same betting <laughs> rights last year, I'd probably take spread and money line for Dallas. It's just simple. They don't ask how. They ask how many. And Dallas is going to have plenty of wins this year. They will be 3-0. and even without Diggs, this is a very, very good defense. The front seven is unreal, and Micah Parsons is just... He might be the best play, football player on planet Earth right now. And the way he's playing, you'd imagine this team is... I mean, they realistically could win this division and, and could represent the NFC. I'm not worried about the fact that they haven't played anybody yet, but eventually we'll get a real test from them. Well, well I gotta ask. Please. I gotta ask. Please. 43 as a total is such an odd line. You have to imagine they're betting on like a 35 to nothing game from the Cowboys, right? Like you have to imagine that that's what Vegas is saying is like, this is going to be like a week one repeat of 40 to nothing, right? So what I always do, it's actually, I'm glad you asked that. I can't believe we're on episode 155 and I don't think I've ever done this, but the way you figure out what they're actually calling this to score is use the total and just use simple arithmetic. So this was a total of 43. So quick math, to give a 13-point win, that would be 28 to 13? Quick math, that'd be 41. So that's the relative range that they're guessing this score is going to be. and Or I guess 28 to 15 would be the, the number. Dallas is probably going to score more than 28 against Arizona is the way I would see it. And I don't know how Arizona gets past that 13 points. And that's why it makes it feel, to your point, that maybe you do double dip. Maybe you do sprinkle on the money line to make sure you have yourself that guaranteed money coming in. Because Arizona ain't beating Detroit or Dallas this week. I can promise you that. They will not. Uh, but yeah, that's the way I always do it is you just kind of take that math and you figure out the score from there and figure out, Hey, does this score look right for this game? Yes or no. I appreciate you saying that, but you know what doesn't look right? Uh, and I'm stealing this from you, even though it's your team, it, oh, because please. I know you don't even want to talk about it. Nope. Uh, Pittsburgh at Vegas, Vegas is somehow a two and a half point favorite. Somehow sure great way to Not say it. Sure that would have said the same. I, I I have a, a special place in my heart for Vegas. I have no idea how they're two and a half point favorites. Uh, total set at forty three and a half. Kenny Pickett, one of the worst quarterbacks in the league this year, looks so bad, just real bad. George Pickens' bet tracker caught up heavily last week after the seventy one yard reception. He's pacing for seventy six and a half receptions. 
a disgusting 1385. Wait, wait, what did yards I say he was going to be? At? I was just curious. Half touchdowns. Hey, 1350, if, I think I said. So we're clear he'd be at like 900 yards still if it weren't for that 71 yard fucking broken play reception. Maybe it's because he's really good. I don't. I don't I know. I hate you. <laughs> Raiders. Wow. Holy shit. Is this right? They yes. completed five passes to read them all. Not... Read all of these stats because I don't want to read them. I know you don't, but I'm kind of shocked that first of all, I they all get Renfro. worse. Each one gets so, worse. <laughs> I don't know. Hunter Renfro probably should be the start because that's a build up. But completed five passes to people not named Devontae Adams or Josh Jacobs. That's disgusting. Hunter Renfro has one catch for 23 yards this year. I knew that one because he's at the bottom of my bench in um one of my fantasy leagues. I drafted him, Mr. Irrelevant. And I'm like, this is gonna be a great play. Like he'll get, you know, some some He'll eat like three or four catches late in game, right? No. Josh incorrect. McDaniels hates him. Yes, incorrect. Josh, which is funny because Josh McDaniels loved a good white guy in the slot. But what do I? Yeah, have? but now he's now he's a brother man. He loves yeah, Jacoby I, Myers. He got him nine catches week one. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Devontae has twelve catches. Jacoby has nine from week one. Josh Jacobs has seven receptions. After that, next leading receiver is you have Austin Hooper now. Braider, another all-time Braider. That's an all-time Braider for sure. Anyways, Austin Hooper is. That's my point that we have to go to Austin Hooper's, the fourth highest catch on this entire team, with three, with three, and everybody else has one catch. There's no one with more than one catch outside those four. That's a really scary thought. Oh my god! But Jimmy G is a winner, and that's what you have to remember at the end of the day. Or so Tony Grossi told me like a year and a half ago. He can make Uh, defenses play better just from willing it. I have this game as Pittsburgh. I bet this is an actual bet. Me Pittsburgh too. Plus two and a half. I took money line. I'll save you the time. I, uh, yeah, I mean, like, I should have probably bet both, but it's plus two and a half felt right. I don't, I just don't see a way the Raiders win this game, especially TJ Watts healthy coming off a week like last week against an elite offensive line. I, I just don't – I don't see a way that this game goes well for the Raiders. It won't. It won't. And you read the Josh Jacobs stat. He has been brutal this year, not even 50 yards rushing yet, 1.6 yards per carry. And I think Raider fans are starting to see the light of day, David. They are starting to notice on Twitter because the box is stuffed right now. Josh Jacobs has nowhere to run. And why is that? Because we don't throw it downfield anymore because Derek Carr is gone. And now we have Jimmy G, the winner, who's going to will teams to win. And that's the only, I guess, offense we need. At least that's what those Raider fans think. But I'm going to prove I can time travel right now for you. Because this time next week, the media is going to be trying to talk themselves back into Kenny Pickett. Because he's going to destroy this Raiders defense. And the Raiders and Jimmy G will be sacked at least two times by TJ Watt. And who knows? Maybe I can start Aiden O'Connell watch the same way that Jared Stidham is going to get the talk in Denver. Because this team blows. It's over. They suck. Man. Period. Agreed. Uh, so, moving on to Monday Night Football Game Thank 1. Thank you. Please. Philadelphia, four and a half points favorites over Tampa Bay at Tampa Bay. Total set at 46. Another weird total for me. I mm, Four and a half seems a little low for me, but then you drop into the stats. Uh, four sacks for the Eagles through two weeks. Coming off a season where they had the second most uh, all time with 70. It's not a good look for the pass rush. 
Uh, Baker Mayfield for the Bucks has been unbelievable in the second half this year. Uh, his first half splits or his, his splits for the year so far. First half, 19 of 35, 56% completion percentage, 265 yards, touchdown. Second half, 28 of 32, 28 of 34. Which over 80%, baby. 82%. Over 82% completion percentage, 224 yards, two touchdowns. I I think Baker has found a good enough system yes. for him to succeed in. This game will be the tall tale sign, right? If he plays as good as he has in the last two weeks in this game, even if they lose, because Philly is a way better team than this Bucks team, in my opinion, top to bottom. Uh, even if, if the Bucks get blown out, if Baker Mayfield plays well, I think he's found the system, the team for him. And I think you can start thinking the Bucks could probably compete with the Saints for the division this year. Um, but I, I'm, I'm excited for this one, mostly because I'm excited to see where Baker's at in his career. If he looks terrible, you know, there are going to be some questions coming out of this game, but if he just plays like a game manager, like he has the first two weeks, this could be a real fun one for, for to watch really. And I pray that's what it is because I, I think you're right. This is going to be a game we're going to find out. And I have a bad feeling in my gut as much as you and I want it to be true. I think we're going to see a brutal game here. I was a little surprised to see a four and a half point line. Maybe, maybe Tampa Bay is a little better than we think, at least according to Vegas, or Perhaps Philadelphia could be not nearly as good as we thought going into the year. And by saying that, I mean maybe they're a 10-11 win team opposed to a 13-14 win team. Because they're going to start 3-0, you'd imagine, in this game. But it doesn't really feel the same. It feels a little choppier. But who knows? Maybe you get—I mean, the offensive line's been outstanding in Philly. You just need to get Jalen Hurts in a passing game going again. And this feels like a good place to get it done. The second Monday Night Football game, the Rams are going to the jungle and facing Joe Burrow, at least we think, and the Bengals, who are three-point favorites. Puka Nakua has kind of been the story of the season so far. 25 catches, 266 yards in his first two career games. It's absurd. Where the Bengals, on the other hand, have been an atrocity on offense. Zach Taylor came out this last week. You've heard that they didn't even run a large part of their offense because they were worried about Joe Burrow's health. They only called plays out of shotgun because they were worried about his calf. And it makes you wonder, what the hell were they doing playing him to begin with? Why not go with Jacob Browning? Why not go with another backup quarterback? If you're going to lose the games either way because you're playing 25% of your playbook because you're worried about your quarterback, what are we doing? You're setting up bad habits. It's literally malpractice from Zach Taylor and the coaching staff, the medical team. And I don't want to be too, again, I, I feel like I'm being very overreaction. Maybe it's our overreaction Monday segment that's doing it to me. But the Bengals don't, it doesn't feel like the last year Bengals where I was like, hey, this team can get it done. I still think this is, like the roster's good. This team, I think, will be good down the road still. It just, this year feels like a problem. And I think that this game has a funky smell to it. And I, I'm staying completely away. But, is it weird? I, I can see the Rams winning this game. And if the Bengals go to 0-3, the season's over. You cannot convince me they can come back from 0-3. You can't do it. In the AFC, this AFC. 
I actually I agree with you. I think I think if the Bengals go zero three, they got they're not making the playoffs. Uh, Agreed. Yeah, and it's this feels like a super because if they're one and two, you know why it feels it feels weird? so close, but it's so different. One and two and zero and three, it's just it's a huge difference. It is, and it's statistically it's a huge difference. If you go back to the teams that start zero and three, I bet you only like three in history have made the playoffs. And it's a low number. Yeah, it's it, but. You know what feels off to me about this Bengals team is Jamar Chase is only averaging five catches for 30 yards in each of his first two games. He's got no touchdowns. He hasn't been involved. He hasn't been worked into the offense at all by the coaching staff. Uh, He's been shut down by everyone. And I think Jamar Chase is a phenomenal receiver. I don't think he is somebody who gets shut down by, you know, you could convince me on, on, he gets relatively shut down by Ward or Humphrey, but not five catches for thirty yards shut down, right? And but I, again, like, is it is it because they're not running their offense? I think it's coaching. I think it's coaching, and I also think that I, I, you and I are on the same page with Zach Taylor. I think Zach Taylor. I kind of here's the problem: is I kind of hope the Bengals miss the playoffs because I think you got to get rid of Zach Taylor if they do, like immediately. I don't think they will, uh, though. They don't. They probably won't, but they they should like. You know, you get a good coach out there that gets fired in a bad situation. You gotta offer, dude. I bring back fucking Marvin before I move on with Zach Taylor. I'll be honest with you, but I, it doesn't feel right because a Jamar Chase, which I already stated, and B, Joe Burrow's got a lingering injury that he. It'd be different if it was the Tom Brady classic. You know, I'm on the the injury list because every week I'm on it, but. It's different because you watched him favor that in the middle of uh, the Ravens game and the Browns game. From various QB hits, you watched him favor that, and or like go to the sideline and start like rubbing it down and like you know doing something to it. Right, those lingering injuries, you know, they might not affect the overall outcome, but they'll ruin a play or two throughout the game, and that player two for the Bengals right now could be a loss. So I, I'm with you. I'm a little, this one, I will be watching this one intently over Philly and, and Tampa Bay because I want to know where since he's at. And I think the Rams are a good test of where they're at because this should be an easy win for them, but I'm not sure it's going to be. It's directly reflected on the coaching staff, but we need to see urgency. We need to see conviction from the Bengals. And we started seeing that late in the game against the Ravens. When they were down 10, they scored two touchdowns consecutively to make it a three-point game. They just ran out of runway. But that's the problem. You cannot wait until you're down. You cannot wait until you're 0-2 year after year. There has to be urgency from the jump, and that is directly reflected on the coaching staff, and they have to be better. It's been truly frustrating the last few years to watch because this is a loaded roster, offense and defense. There is no excuse to start 0-2 back-to-back years. And the way Sean McVay is, we've been kind of in a theme the last few weeks, good coaching versus bad coaching. I I just got a funky feeling about this game. And if the Rams win, again, it's, it's lights out. Prop, lock, and drop it time. I'll start off with Stevens. I'll go to David, and I'll wrap it up with my own here. Steve has Michael Thomas, Justin Jefferson, Stefan Diggs, anytime touchdown scorers in the about damn time parlay, paying plus 1253 on FanDuel. 
He's going to lock up the over in Minnesota versus LAC. Kind of like that one. That feels like it'd be a high-scoring game. That's over 53.5. And the drop for him is Green Bay versus New Orleans. That makes sense given it's his own team. Wants to kick his feet up and joy. David, what are your prop lock and drop? Uh, so the lacking value parlay is what I like to call it because it's an anytime <laughs> touchdown score parlay of McCaffrey, Breda, and Kieran Williams. Uh, I think they all score this week. I, you know, I call it the lacking value parlay because running backs and all, but whatnot. I have another parlay which is oh, I like that, which is simply the over 100 receiving yards for Justin Jefferson and Keenan Allen. If anything, that game will be a shootout. Keenan Allen's been a baller this year. Justin Justin Jefferson's been a baller this year. Wouldn't shock me for both of them to go over. That probably is a minus. That's probably a favorite line right now. That's probably like minus 200, but I'd still take it. Uh, My last... Don't feel bad. Lock it up. Oh, I was going to say. My last prop bet. The very last one is first drive touchdown for Cleveland, which is plus 310 right now. The reason I say it... There's nobody, there's nobody better at scripting uh, a first drive than Kevin Stefanski for a touchdown. And the only person that can ruin that is Deshaun Watson, but I think the bet is worth it. <laughs> uh, my lock of the week is Pittsburgh plus two and a half. Don't feel bad. It, lock that up. Yeah, I, I really like that. That feels like the lock of the week. Drop of the week, anything Cleveland versus Tennessee, anything Kansas City versus Chicago. I hate both those games. Don't feel confident about either of the games. Could go maybe not either way for Kansas City or Chicago, but the spread is way too high for me to to Kansas City could have a stinker and still win. I don't know, but I just drop both those matchups. I have an anytime touchdown score parlay myself with George Pickens, naturally, and Josh Jacobs. Same game. Same game. You know, first of all, this was a bad week for you, David, because Kenny Pickett and George Pickens are going to look like Randy Moss and Tom Brady in 2007 against this defense. <sighs> and wait until we get the stat, what, George Pickens stat tracker when he's on pace for like 6,800 yards next week. But we are going to then go to lock up the Green Bay Packers minus two and a half at home against Derek Carr again because it's the happiness hedge. That would make me happy if Derek Carr started 3-0. and So that makes all the sense in the world to take the Green Bay Packers minus two. And then I'm going to drop the Rams and Bengals. I just told you guys why. I just, it feels gross. It just, it feels a little weird. And the way Sean McVay is, I wouldn't be surprised at all if they go in there Monday night and give the Bengals in their whiteout uniforms their first loss in them things. Go 0-3 and maybe uh, worry some people down there in uh, northern Kentucky. Which, that will bring us to the end of another episode of Lost It Down. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe on our Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at Lost It Down. And retweet us on Twitter at Down underscore Loss. Remember that this episode was brought to you by Abby Turner Creative. And we are a new member of Bruce Screws Podcast Network. Brought to you by Snapmare Productions. Guys, and by guys, I guess that's you and me, David. It's a double show. Do you have any parting words? Is this just a somber exit? How are we doing? What is football and do I even like it anymore? Just know we're we're all here thinking about you, Browns fans. I don't think anybody, I, I was going to say, no one's happy right now. Uh, it just, it, I feel, it feels gross. I've you know got what? nothing to say. You know what? I've that got nothing to say. That brings up a great point that you brought up earlier, though. 
everyone feels bad because everyone likes Nick Chubb, which makes it hurt more. Yeah, well, cause, all right. And I'll, I'll leave the person's name out. But if it was another Brown per se, you'd have people like laughing and memeing about it. Yes. But instead, it's arguably the most likable player in the NFL. And it's just gut-wrenching. And like I said, I it's truly pure, think one of the best running backs we've ever seen. Pain. Yeah, I, I do feel for you guys. I really do. I hope I'm wrong on the Tennessee bet, but I just, I've got a bad feeling this is the start of a very long season for you and me, David. Oh, you absolutely are correct. Yeah, so we love you guys. I hope you have fun watching the NFL on that note. We'll see you next Monday.